0: good morning to you on valentine's day i want you to know you are the true remnant in worship today that the bible talks about with a lot of praise for the remnant of those that are really dedicated and yet on a day like this i wonder if god in heaven just kind of smiles and said bless their heart they don't have a lick of sense they ought to be staying at home with all the, the live video that is there for you. And those of you joining us by live video, we welcome you today. We're so glad you're here. We're continuing this series on beginnings as we look at Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And some of you probably hadn't been with us, so let me just quickly review. We began the series back in January looking at the in the beginning God and seeing God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there in the first chapter of the Bible and then our second message contrasted creation versus evolution and how creation by God just makes more sense when we look at things rationally and understanding why we are here and why all of creation is here then in our third message we looked at the balance of work and rest as God took a sabbath after a hard week of work a demanding week of work and set an example for all of us in the balance of work and rest then Paul Coleman took you through a part of Genesis 2 where God said look you've got great freedom in this garden but there's one tree the tree of knowledge of good and evil you're not to eat and we know what happened there and then last Sunday we took a week from the series as Paul Chipwood, the president of our international mission board really described to us why we are here that there's still people on this earth that have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ and God has left us here to be sure that his great commission is taking the gospel to every people group on the face of the earth now today we come back to genesis 2 and our theme of in the beginning as we look at the beginning of marriage and how appropriate on valentine's day to look at the signs of a healthy marriage as we go all the way back to the beginning of marriage, the very first institution of man. And so I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles, or if you have one on your phone or iPad, turn on your Bibles now as we look at Genesis 2, verses 18 through 25. And I ask you to stand. If you're a part of the remnant in here, let's stand for the reading of God's Word in Genesis 2, verse 18. Suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. And be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Father, as you take us back to the beginning, the beginning of marriage, I pray on this Valentine's Day that you will speak to us clearly through your word about the signs of a healthy marriage, And Father, as always, when we look into your word, be it the old covenant or the new covenant, may our time be centered on you through the person of Jesus Christ. For it's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. The institution of marriage is struggling. That is not news to you. The rate of divorce we could talk about the stats they're off the charts but that's not all because so many have been burned by divorce either divorce in their life or the divorce of their parents cohabitation is now the dominant and majority choice of the millennial generation it's not the exception it is the norm and not only that when the supreme court redefined marriage in its Oberfeld decision to include same-sex marriage we know that now the supreme court has opened pandora's box as to all the varieties of marriage because in the name of justice if you redefine marriage to include same-sex marriage How in the world, in the name of justice, can you outlaw polygamy or polyamory marriage, which is multiple partners in marriage or incestuous marriage, as long as you're talking about two consenting or more consenting adults? There's no telling what our culture will see when it comes to marriage in the days ahead. But this is not what God had in mind. And as we go back to the beginning of marriage, we see exactly what God had in mind the union of one man and one woman together for life now understanding that let's begin where God's word begins in verse 18 then the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone I will make him a helper suitable for him now if you've been with us in this series you know all through Genesis 1 with very Various aspects of creation, God says, and it is very good. It is very good. At the end of his creative process, he said, it is very good. But this reminds us that Genesis 2 now fills in some details and tells us that in God's creative process, Adam was created first, and for a time, Adam was the only human being in the Garden of Eden. Everything was great. He had the perfect place to live, he had the perfect job. But God says something is not good because God has in mind the ultimate human relationship. And that's what we're going to see in his invention of marriage. So God says, it is not good that Adam is alone and God says that he would make a helper suitable for him. Now understand this about God's creation. It is not only human beings that are created to be social but it is so much of the animal kingdom and the bird kingdom that God has created. You see them among their species having a social connection. Well, it's no different for mankind right now in the creative process, Adam is alone. And God says that is not good because God has created man to be a social being. And so God says, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now realize that term helper it's come under great controversy in contemporary culture because the feminist movement in culture has begun to, has created a mindset that anytime the woman is seen as a helpmate or helper, that is demeaning. Now, it's ironic though, because anytime the husband or the father is seen as a helper in marriage, it is praised. But as God says, in making this situation unique with a man and woman coming together, That he was going to create a helper for the man that is a complement or corresponding to. The Hebrew word suitable means corresponding to or the perfect complement. doesn't mean there's any sense of inferiority when it comes to the female sex. In Genesis 1, God is very clear. God made male and female in the image of God. Totally equal before God but there are different roles that are being discussed from the very beginning of God's idea for marriage. But in the meantime, Adam has a responsibility. He is to rule over God's creation. That means ruling over the animal creation. And so God says this in verse 19, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. And the man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Well, Adam has some companionship. It is animals. Now, remember at this point before sin, there is no wild animals. All animals and all of man, that is Adam, they they are in harmony with one another. There is no tension. There's no fear. There's no killing among animals with animals. They're just perfect harmony. The animals come before Adam. He names them all. And then after he names all the animals, he's still missing something. And God realizes he's still missing something. Now, he doesn't know exactly what he's missing, but God knows that he's missing something. Now, I know some of you that are animal lovers. This is hard for you because there are some human beings that tend to put their animals before other people even before their spouse you know we were getting on the shuttle at the parking spot there in Atlanta to go to the catch the flight to come here and this lady gets on the shuttle and she had her little poodle in her uh, bag there and she and her boyfriend are getting away for a valentine weekend and she said this is my best friend I thought well I wonder what he thinks about that they're about to have Valentine weekend. She's talking about the dog being her best friend. But, you know, she's not alone. If you're an animal lover, you, you, you may have a hard time with this. You go to San Francisco today and look at the population of San Francisco. There are more dogs, literally, this is a fact, more dogs in San Francisco than children. That, that's, that's, that's kind of interesting thought. My wife, Ann, who's here, she is quite an animal lover. She has loved our pets. Oh, I, I mean, she's loved them. And... When we had a dog, a little schnauzer that got run over years ago, Ann got 21 sympathy cards from people in the church. Now, think about that. She just lost her dog. 21 sympathy cards. The vet sent her flowers. And on top of that, Ann cried for three days. Finally, I'd had enough. I said, honey, if I died, would you cry this much? He said, don't ask me that question. I thought I've got my answer. She says, yeah, but that dog never talked back to me i said yes i know but sometimes man's love for animals can get a little out of whack and you know arnold tornby said this about animals and man's desire for companionship with animals it always has to be on the level of the animal that that means something's kind of lacking in that companionship so there's no doubt we have companionship with our our dogs and some of you bless your heart but even say with your cat i can't imagine that but anyway we see god is saying something's still missing and so then we see god in the beginning being the first of many things look at what it says in verse 21 so god caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept Then he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, look at all the first here for God. First of all, he's the first anesthesiologist. He puts Adam to sleep, a deep sleep, in order to perform surgery. And do you know it was thousands of years before man could ever figure out scientifically how to use anesthesia? It was thousands of years. You may not know this but the first anesthesia in surgery was used by Crawford Long in March of 1842 from Jefferson, Georgia. You may not know this about Crawford Long but his roommate at the University of Georgia was Alexander Stevens, the vice president of the Confederacy. Not only this, his cousin was Doc Holliday, a famous western and sometimes Texas personality. Crawford Long was an interesting guy but it took thousands of years before man could ever figure out how to use anesthesia god was the first he put adam to sleep secondly god was the first surgeon he put adam to sleep and he performed surgery he took the rib out of adam and fashions it into a man and it doesn't even say he sewed up adam it says it closed he closed his flesh in other words evidently no stitches can you imagine first surgeon no stitches thirdly God is the first master artist now we've seen God as the master artist in Genesis 1 with his extraordinary creative power but now he comes to the most beautiful of his creation it says that he fashioned from the rib a woman and the word fashion means built In other words God built or fashioned or brought about a woman in his creative process now to be the perfect companion to Adam and we see how God is a master artist because after all there is nothing more beautiful in God's creation than a beautiful woman and that's what God did but not only that God is the first matchmaker now for most of history the parents would select the spouse for their child that was the what's happened in the majority of history in culture after culture but it was western man a couple hundred years ago maybe several hundred years ago when all of a sudden western man decided that marriage shouldn't be the parent's decision it should be built on romance as we saw in the 20th century the stats on that didn't work out too good so now man has reverted back to the matchmaker because parents would go to the village matchmaker to find a suitable match for their child but now the modern day matchmaker is the internet how many of you watching online or worshiping today you met your spouse through the internet why because the internet is seeking to find someone who is compatible it's the modern day matchmaker but not only that God is the first father of the bride he brings this beautiful woman Eve to Adam and look at Adam's response in verse 23 the man said this is now bone of my bones flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man in other words Adam is overjoyed he starts quoting poetry right there it wasn't even Valentine's Day and he was quoting poetry He was so moved at how beautiful she was, and he's thinking to himself, this is exactly what I've been missing, and I didn't know exactly what it was. And she is so much like me, but there's just a little bit of difference, and that little bit of difference makes all the difference in the world. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. And so we see Adam is thrilled. He is overjoyed as God has brought about the perfect match in what would be the only perfect marriage in the history of man and then we come to verse 24 and this is a key verse now listen are you listening don't miss verse 24 it's not only Moses that writes down verse 24 under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the leadership of God but Jesus in Matthew nineteen five, when he was asked about divorce he begins to talk about the importance of marriage and in Matthew 19, 5, Jesus directly quotes Genesis two twenty four, And not only that, when the apostle Paul is giving us that ultimate passage in teaching about Christian marriage in Ephesians 5, in verse 31 of Ephesians 5, Paul, too, quotes this very verse from Genesis two twenty four. So, with Moses and Jesus and Paul, I think you and I need to take this verse seriously. This is important. This is giving us the three keys to a successful healthy marriage for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh now first of all to leave what this is saying is that the first key is you want to be sure that your spouse is your best friend well how do you get that Brian out of that part of the verse it says leave father and mother and how in the world would they say that the man is to leave father and mother versus the woman leaving father and mother I don't get that this is what god is telling us you want to be sure that when it comes time for marriage that the person you're marrying is your best friend and stays your best friend and that no mama and no daddy is to come before your spouse and later on if god blesses you with children no child is to come before your spouse and if you have a best friend no best friend is to come before your spouse your spouse is to be your best friend god is not saying that you got to stop loving your parents or loving your ch- children or loving a good friend no but the priority changes to where your best friend the one that you prioritize over any human being on the face of the earth is your spouse and if you're thinking of marriage and the person is not your best friend maybe you have a good friend you're closer to than that person then you're not ready for marriage and if you are married and your spouse is not your best friend, this is a perfect time for you to repent and recognize that you have fallen into sin. Because if any other human being comes before your spouse, your priorities are out of whack. That is not good. You say, well, my parents need me or my child needs me. Certainly. You're to love and care for them and there are times where the needs in their life are going to be greater than the needs of your spouse. I fully understand that. But that is not to be the overall priority of your marriage. We're called to be best friends with our spouse. And if there's anyone on this earth that you're closer to other than your spouse, it's time to repent and ask God to forgive you of your sin that you have gotten your priorities out of whack. Nothing could be more special for your spouse on this Valentine's Day than to be sure that that person is your best friend. Is she? Is he? Do you have secrets with someone else that you're not sharing with your spouse? It's time to repent of that. That's what God is saying about priorities. But secondly, God is saying, and he shall be joined to his wife. The word for joined is, is a word that you might say is like super glue. It's a commitment. It's an exclusive commitment that is lifelong. And why is this so important? Because this builds trust in the marriage relationship. When divorce is not a consideration, when exclusive commitment is to one another, there is a trust that is built up that allows the marriage relationship to be all that God calls it to be you see love is most of all about commitment love is not a feeling most of all it's about commitment but the beautiful thing is when the commitment is there then the feelings and the romance will often follow Anne and I have been privileged to be married over 46 years now and to understand how important this is just imagine this imagine me going to ann one day say you know honey i love you and i've decided i'm going to be loyal and faithful to you 362 out of 365 days that, that shows you how much i love you but the other three days i'm gonna do what i want with whatever woman i want now how do you think ann's going to feel about that she'll say no way baby that's not going to fly because the commitment in marriage is not only lifelong commitment, it is exclusive commitment like our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What does God say about his relationship with Israel in the Old Covenant time and again? He would compare, he compares them beginning to worship idols and worship false gods with adultery. Because God is saying the most important relationship we have on the, in our life is with our Lord. And then in marriage, the most important relationship we have among other human beings is with our spouse if we are married. And that's what he's talking about in this being joined together. It is a sense of total commitment. But thirdly, the third key, he says they shall become one flesh. You see, God is the inventor of sexual intimacy and pleasure. It is a good thing in the context of committed love and marriage between one man and one woman that's what god has in mind and so what god is saying to us is that means that premarital sex is outside the will of god that means cohabitation is outside the will of god that means adultery is outside the will of god that means same-sex marriage is outside the will of god And any other perverted form of marriage is outside the will of god God desires for the one man and one woman to have sexual intimacy and pleasure together alone. That is the gift of God. He has invented this. Some misguided folks think, well, sexual intimacy didn't come about till a man fell into sin. That's nonsense. God has given sex as a wonderful gift to be enjoyed to the fullest by the husband and wife together and exclusively with no one else because the one flesh relationship is symbolic of the sense of love and companionship and best friends and commitment that the husband and wife share together but it's not just for intimacy and pleasure it's also for procreation and we see this is a command of God when he created man as male and female He says, be fruitful and multiply. This is long before man sins. And we see this is a basic understanding of the one flesh concept. It is a good thing in the context of committed love between one man and one woman. And some of you say, well, in the Old Testament, they practiced polygamy. It seems like God allowed it. Yes, he allowed it like he allows for divorce because of the sinfulness of man but it is never what god intended what god has designed marriage for is to be an exclusive commitment where there is sexual intimacy and pleasure not only for the joy of the relationship but also for procreation when it comes to understanding marriage and if you don't believe that look at what it said in verse 25 and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed now think about it folks they were buck naked and they were not ashamed. I want you to look at these uh, two church ladies sitting on a church bench. You know, I've preached on this text many times at Johnson Ferry back in Atlanta, and one of our elderly ladies came, gave me this card. She said, Pastor, I think you're going to love this. It's two church ladies saying, is it butt naked or buck naked? Well, in the South, we say they were buck naked. In other words, Adam and Eve were buck naked and not ashamed. And part of it is they both look real good. You see, at this stage of life, there's no sin. So there's no sags and things being out of whack and in the wrong place and overweight or underweight or whatever. They were perfect. They were buck naked and unashamed. This is a great affirmation of the gift of sexual intimacy that God was blessing Adam and Eve with in the context of committed love and their exclusive devotion to one another. So what happened? This is the only perfect marriage in the history of man. What happened? Well, we know what happened. Man sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. We're going to look at that next Sunday as we look at original sin. And because of sin, man and woman began to look at one another differently. They began to look at one another selfishly. And when we begin to look at a fellow human being selfishly then very often that is how we can use that person to satisfy our desires rather than loving that person unconditionally and that's what happened to marriage. And next Sunday we're going to see the consequences within marriage because of man's sin. But here's the good news. Now listen are you listening? Here's the good news in spite of man's sin in spite of your sin and my sin God loves each of us so much that he sent us his son Jesus to give his life for us on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that if we will acknowledge our sinfulness and confess our sin to God believing that Christ has paid the penalty for our sin on the cross we are forgiven of our sin we are made right with God and here's what happens God then fills us with his spirit the holy spirit and gives us an empowerment and an inner desire to live in a way that is pleasing to him versus pleasing to self and when our new desire in christ is to live in a way that is pleasing to god then we wind up being better husbands and wives as we approach marriage with more of the spirit that god has in mind there will never be another perfect marriage because a man's sin But we all in marriage can have a healthy marriage when both the husband and wife are in Christ and devoted to Christ. That is the key. So, how do you have a healthy marriage? Number one, let God be your matchmaker. If you're not married, If you're here today or joining us online and you're not married, let God be your matchmaker. He's the best. He knows you and he knows that person he's going to bring you to or bring to you. Let God be your matchmaker. And when you let God be your matchmaker, that means that first of all, you need to be sure your heart and life is devoted to following Christ. And you want to marry someone who is also devoted to following Christ. Now, if you're single and dating and you meet somebody, you think this may be the one, and you ask them, are you a Christian? Well, look, 95% of Americans are going to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's the wrong question. You want to ask them, tell me a little bit about your spiritual life. Tell me a little bit about your faith. Tell me a little bit about what's most important to you. What are the priorities of your life? What gives you the greatest meaning? And then if you're a true follower of Christ, you'll be able to discern if they are a true follower of Christ because that is the starting point. Christians are called to marry Christians because Christ is to be the greatest priority for the husband and wife. And 2 Corinthians 6:14 is very clear, we're not to be unequally yoked. That is the priority of Christians being committed to Christians and allowing God to be your matchmaker. But secondly, Remember that God gave marriage, God invented marriage. In the beginning, God desired for marriage because Adam was alone. And God knows that we need companionship. And God desires for the ultimate human companionship to be between a husband and wife in marriage. That is to be the ultimate example of human companionship. Remember, God didn't create another man to be Adam's companion. He created a woman. And even though man and woman, male and female, are so much alike in so many ways, it is the little bit of difference that makes this such a rich human relationship. And out of that companionship, then you see that the ideal God has in mind is for your spouse to be your best friend and if your spouse is not your best friend and you're married you have got priorities out of whack and need to seek the forgiveness of God today today what could be a better day than valentine's and to get this right you see God desires for your spouse to be your best friend that you're leaving emotionally other relationships be it mom and dad or you're not putting your child or children before your spouse, you're not putting a best friend before your spouse, you are leaving those relationships emotionally as you zero in on your spouse to be best friends. Ann and I have found that one of the greatest ways we can stay best friends is a weekly day. And men, you need to take the lead here. You know, you don't have to come to church to be a Christian, but it's real hard to grow in your relationship with the Lord if you're not in church and a part of church well you don't have to have a weekly date to have a successful marriage but it sure does help you to stay in tune with one another and to stay close to one another as best friends but also a healthy marriage is going to have total exclusive commitment that is what love is all about that means staying faithful to our spouse whether we feel love that day or not because that's what real love is but a healthy marriage also has joyful sexual intimacy as long as the couple is physically able because that is what God has designed for a healthy marriage relationship But let me add a couple other things that aren't in this particular text. Now listen, are you listening? I really believe in healthy marriages, you have a lot of prayer and a lot of forgiveness. Men, if you're a follower of Christ, you need to take the lead here too. We're called to pray with our wives if we're going to have a Christ-centered marriage relationship. I'm not just talking about having the blessing before the meal. I'm talking about some time in the day or on some regular occasion during the week, you have prayer time with your spouse. Anne and I felt through our married life, because we have a quiet time separately in the morning, we pray together at night before we go to sleep. Pick a time that's good for you. Men, take the lead. You're called to be the spiritual leader. Hey, men, men, would you quit being spiritual wimps? And start to become a real man? Take the lead here. You be the leader in seeing that you keep the romance in your marriage by having that date time with your spouse. You be the leader in seeking to pray together with your spouse in a time that fits both of you. But that's not all. Men, may we be the leader in asking forgiveness when we blow it with our wives you know one of the things I found when Ann and I pray together maybe we've had kind of a spat that day a little disagreement that day but when Ann hears me ask God to forgive me for how I've been treating Ann that day it's kind of hard for her to stay mad at me now if I ask God to forgive Ann because she's been a sorry so-and-so that day that doesn't do any good that only intensifies the disagreement but when I just ask the Lord to forgive me without excuses, without explaining to God how I was justified to be aggravated, and no, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. But just asking God to forgive, it's amazing how forgiving your spouse will be. Men, we're called to lead here as the spiritual leaders in the home. Healthy marriage needs a lot of prayer and a lot of forgiveness because we're all sinners that fall short. So on this Valentine's Day, if you're married, would you ask the Lord to help you make a recommitment to your spouse today? And where the Word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is causing you to feel like you're falling short, will you ask the Lord to help you be empowered to have a desire to get things right there and if you're not married would you be willing to trust God for your life and your future would you be willing to let God be your matchmaker and would you be willing to trust God enough that if you're to be married he will guide you to the right person and if he calls you to a life of singleness that you will have peace in accepting God's will Will you be willing to most of all seek God's will when it comes to the institution of marriage? Let's pray. Father God, I pray for all those that are married, that are joining us online, that are here in person, And I pray that every person here that's married will see this as a day to recommit to you and to their spouse and apply the Word of God to their married life. I pray, Father, that you, the Holy Spirit, will fill them with a fresh conviction and desire and empowerment to live out these signs of a healthy marriage. Lord, may you bless every marriage here. And Lord, I pray for those that are not married. I pray that you will guide them to put their trust in you. I pray that they will look to you to be their matchmaker if you are leading them into marriage. I pray, Father, they will not settle for second best when it comes to your will, but only be searching and praying for your best. Oh, Lord, may all of us, married or single, be seeking your will and be seeking to grow in the ultimate relationship, which is that relationship with you, so that when and if some of us are led into the ultimate human relationship in marriage, we can be the person that you're calling us to be through Jesus Christ. Father, we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.